Rangoon Wind Farm is a proposed utility-scale wind and battery storage plant with capacity of up to 130 megawatts. The project is still under design and is proposed to host approximately 26 turbines to integrate via two substations on-site into the national electricity market. The project is located within the Glen Innes Seven Council and also the Armidale Regional Council local government areas. The project is located across two sections, uh, Rangoon Wind Farm North and South, near the villages of Ben Lomond and Glencoe. The site is positioned along the New England Highway, approximately 60 kilometres north of Armadale and 40 kilometres south of Glen Innes. Uh, this morning we are speaking with Angus Holcomb, uh, the project representative from Meridian Energy, who are uh, spearheading the project. Welcome, Angus. Thank you, David. Nice to be with you. Thank you. Um, now, to start off, uh, would you be able to tell our listeners the story or the meaning behind uh, behind the name of this project? Uh, yes, that's an interesting question. It's actually uh, named after a local uh, property uh, upon which part of the site is being developed. So uh, uh, we we decided to go with uh, that name because it um, you know it had had a bit of uh, local uh, meaning. It um, it uh, is one of the key landholders uh, or land holdings within the site, and um, we just think it's a great name for the project. Okay, fantastic. Thank you for, for letting us know. We hear names of, of projects and buildings and constructions uh, all, over, all, all the time, and it's very rare that we actually get to hear the story behind it. So, so thank you for that. Uh, Angus, in my introduction, I mentioned the location of the proposed wind farm uh, in fairly broad terms. Uh, could you tell us a bit more about, uh, about where it's going to be located? Yes, certainly. So, as you as you suggested, the Rangoon Wind Farm North project uh, is uh, actually north of the village of uh, Ben Lomond and uh, uh, towards uh, Glencoe. Um, it is positioned along the New England Highway. It's approximately 60 kilometres north of Armadale and about 40 kilometres south of Glen Innes. Um, your listeners may be familiar with names of roads such as the, the Maybole Road, um, uh, and some others in that local area uh, upon which the site uh, sort of surrounds. The Rangoon South project is um, proposed for down the Wandsworth Road, uh, for those of your listeners who are familiar with, the, with that part of the, uh, the country. Okay. Wonderful, and, and we do have a lot of listeners out in that direction, so good morning to you if you're listening. Uh, I'm sure you'll be uh, paying fairly close attention to some of this information. Um, now, in that area about, around Ben Lomond, uh, I understand that there's a fair bit of activity relating to aerial superphosphate application with uh, some of the landholders there. Um, now, I imagine that having some wind turbines uh, in the way would possibly affect that activity. Um, has that been sort of considered and, and, and how is that likely to, uh, to affect those people? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a question we often get, David, with a number of our developments. So Meridian also own and operate, for, the, for your listeners' benefit, uh, a number of wind farms in New Zealand, but also uh, two wind farms that are operational in Australia already. One of them is in Victoria and one of those is in South Australia. Uh, both in uh, regional and upon agricultural land that uh, those landholders have been been farming for similar lengths of time. Um, superphosphate application um, uh, continues on those properties, as does um, uh, aerial spraying from time to time for generally herbicide spray, but from every now and again there will even be some pesticide application. Uh, generally what we do is turn off sections of the wind farm so we work very closely with the with the uh, aerial uh, agricultural um, 
uh, contractor in the in the local area. Uh, our site manager is generally in contact with them leading up to the day that they spray uh, or apply the superphosphate and uh, at the appropriate time we just switch the wind farm off. Uh, sometimes we, we do what's called your the wind farm your the wind turbines um, in a in a single direction, which means we can manually turn the direction so they're all facing a single direction, and then the superphosphate and aerial agricultural uh, plane can travel up and down the farm as they normally would and apply their uh, superphosphate without any issues. Okay, fantastic. I actually find that really fascinating. I'd never considered that you could turn a wind farm on and off so easily. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's probably more to it than flicking a switch, but um, but but good to know for those people that it affects. Um, now, the project, as I understand it, is currently in the design phase. Um, what is the approximate time frame from this point for approvals and potentially starting construction? So we have submitted what's called our scoping report to the New South Wales Department of Planning and uh, we expect to receive what's called our Secretary General's Environmental uh, and Assessment Requirements, uh, ideally this week, but early next month, more likely. Um, they are basically a list of the things that we need to cover off in what's called our Environmental Impact Statement, mm -hmm. and then we will spend uh, the latter half of this year and early, of, early part of next year um, drafting and finalising all of the studies and our complete environmental impact statement that would then be submitted to the New South Wales Department of Planning. Um, once they receive that document, they will do a, a, an adequacy review and make sure we have addressed the, that list of requirements that they've, that they've provided us with. Um, and then provided they're comfortable with it, they will put it on public exhibition for uh, about a month for anyone to come and have a look at uh, we send copies to various departments and we send copies um, out to landholders if they request them. It's obviously available online. It'll be available at um, the local council offices as well. And um, at the end of the exhibition period, um, there's, there's a period for us to then review any submissions, provide a response to those submissions that we need to, and then uh, the department will essentially go away and make their decision over the coming months. So, look, we don't expect a, a final and fully approved EIS until the back half of 2021, so the back half of next year. And then, all going well, we would be looking to commence construction at some stage in 2022. Okay, fantastic. Um, now, you've touched on, on the issue there of community consultation. Um, now, obviously, there's, um, there's a fair bit to go before we really start getting into the nitty-gritty of that with, uh, with the local population here. But um, is, is there any sort of community consultation going on uh, at present or in the near future? Uh, yeah, absolutely there is. We've been now undertaking community consultation for a number of months. Um, obviously, that's a little bit uh, difficult with the current COVID restrictions. Mm -hmm. However, we are able to undertake face-to-face uh, -face meetings with landholders, uh, provided you know we respect the social distancing rules and any other um, uh, medical officers' uh, health regulations that are currently in place. So we've had uh, our team out there meeting with uh, all of the all of the neighbouring landholders, obviously all the participating landholders but as many of those other landholders as we can also reach, either by phone, uh, by mail or face-to-face. -face. Um, and that will continue uh, right through this year and into next year. 
right up to the point where we submit the environmental impact statement. Um, so I would absolutely encourage anyone who um, would like to, to, to understand a bit more about the project that we're proposing to, to reach out either through our website. Um, they, can, they can look for Meridian Energy Australia online um, and uh, there's a number of phone numbers. Uh, they can email us, they can write to us and uh, we're happy to come out and meet with those people or, or to give them an update over the phone. Um, and and we, we welcome that engagement at the moment. As you said, it's only in the very early design stages, so it's really about um, understanding what stakeholders' concerns are, understanding what, um, what issues uh, they think are, are important to them and, and how we can shape the project such that it you know, minimises any impact on people's activities or ongoing amenity around the, um, the project site. Okay, great. Thanks for that, Angus. I, I know personally I was um, having a bit of a look around your website today uh, and I noticed there is actually already quite a fair bit of uh, comprehensive information on your website, including uh, uh, maps and, uh, and satellite uh, imagery showing where some of the proposed turbines may, may be going. Uh, so I found that all very interesting as, as a local resident myself. Uh, now, of course, I understand that some of those things are, are possible or even likely to change, but it does it, it, it certainly helped me to get a, a greater understanding of the uh, of the scope of the project, and uh, and certainly as someone who drives along some of those roads, uh, gave me an understanding of what might be sticking up behind the hill one day. Angus, a, a consideration in any regional area at any time, but particularly at the moment with uh, with the issues faced uh, by local communities with COVID nineteen, is uh, is is jobs. Uh, now I I understand that wind farms don't build themselves; they um, they do generate jobs to to construct. Uh, can you give us an idea, perhaps, of how many jobs would uh, we can expect uh, will uh, will be uh, created by this project? David, uh, during construction we would estimate that there'll be at least 150 full-time equivalent jobs um, as part of the construction process. And they'll range from all sorts of things, from um, you know, civil construction, so roads and access tracks and foundations, um, through to electrical installation work. So there'll be crews that have to um, <clears throat> lay underground cables and install the substation and all of those activities and then there's obviously the turbine supply and installation phase of the project which um, involves crane crews and uh, mechanical and electrical fitters as well. So there's a fairly broad range of, um, of, of jobs. A number of those can be filled by, by local um, um, contractors or local uh, private uh, operators and, and we certainly welcome that involvement to the fullest extent possible. Um, so once we get through the construction phase, we're looking at a roughly 10 full-time equivalent jobs and there'll be, there'll be jobs uh, where either an electrician or a mechanical fitter will be able to uh, work day-to-day -day on site, uh, servicing, maintaining the, maintaining the turbines, uh, looking after the substation, looking after the communications facilities and those types of roles. Okay, sure, fantastic. Um, now, the, the paperwork that comes along with the project and, and is available to view on your website, uh, I also mentioned in my introduction that the project will generate up to 130 megawatts. Um, now, most of us uh, who, who only deal with a, with a home electricity account don't really understand, or I certainly don't understand, uh, what a megawatt is or what it looks like. Can you tell us uh, what that might mean in real terms? For example, the number of homes that might be able to be powered by this project? 
the, the energy that we estimate we would generate annually from a site like Rangoon would be the equivalent uh, power required to run 58 to 60,000 New South Wales homes every year. I understand that this uh, the energy produced by this project, uh, assuming it goes ahead, will will go into the grid essentially, uh, which means that we can't necessarily say that those are several thousand homes will all be in the local area that will be powered by that. I imagine it gets distributed differently to that. Um, now, my understanding of power transmission is that there is um, there is some loss of uh, of usable power through uh, transmitting that power over long distances on the grid. Um, would it be fair to say, uh, and again, please, I'm not an expert, uh, would it be fair to say that having more power generated in regional areas will o- overall, in relation to the electricity gi- grid, reduce those inefficiencies? Um, look, the best way to describe it, David, if you've got a cursory knowledge, say, of a, a, a water system, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so electricity is very similar to water insofar as it will flow along the path of least resistance. And to think of the transmission lines that we connect a generator to, like a wind farm, as similar to pipelines. So the larger the pipe, the less friction and therefore the less loss of uh, water pressure. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to similar scenario to that. So uh, where we're proposing to connect the Rangoon North site, for instance, will connect into the Transgrid network, which is a 132 kV uh, transmission line. Um, we we don't expect a significant quantity of losses there. Um, where the losses generally occur is is uh, in relation to the distance between where the power is generated and where it's ultimately used. So. Mm. Um, generally speaking, the largest load centres in New South Wales are obviously Sydney, Newcastle, Wollongong, um, and then up the north coast towards Port Macquarie as well. Um, New South Wales, as a as a state, is a net uh, importer of energy, so we generally in New South Wales have to import energy at, at most times of the day, either from Queensland or from Victoria or from both. So it is, in our view, a good thing to be increasing the quantity of generation capacity within New South Wales. Um, that is particularly important, we think, given it is likely that large thermal um, coal-powered stations will be closing down in the relatively near future, in electrical terms anyway, so in the next few years. Mm-hmm. And so shoring up New South Wales' supply with um, more energy, uh, particularly renewable or sustainable energy, in our view, is extremely important. Obviously, the other aspect of this project is a battery project. So, uh, it's it's you know you would have no doubt heard that um, wind and solar and those uh, uh, renewable technologies are intermittent. So, being able to store some of the power we generate from the Rangoon wind farm. Uh, in a battery and then dispatch it at a point, or, or, which means to let it go or generate it um, or release it into the grid at times when demand for energy increases, so in the evenings and in the mornings, uh, means that New South Wales will have um, a, a larger quantity of um, dispatchable and secure and reliable electricity. Okay, wonderful.
No, thank you for that um, explanation. Looking at some of the uh, the paperwork and information available on, on the Meridian Energy website, I see a term uh, come up quite a bit, which is the life of the project. Um, can you maybe shine a bit of light on, on uh, what that means for us? Certainly. So life of the project refers to the design life of the equipment, and design life is effectively the um, time over which a supplier will warrant um, or guarantee uh, its equipment. Now, for wind farms, in general, it's 30 years. Um, now, a lot of the equipment, like the substation and the underground cables and the steel towers and the access tracks, they'll have a design life that, is, that far exceeds 30 years. But some of the components of the wind turbines, like the blades and the generators, uh, have a design life of 30 years. So after that, it's a, 30 years is effectively their useful life and then we can replace some of those components and continue to operate the wind farm beyond 30 years. But when we talk about the life of the wind farm, we generally refer to the first 30 years of the asset. Okay, sure. Thank you for that. Uh, now, Angus, finally, um, as you're no doubt aware, um, there is another wind farm in the vicinity of, of uh, Glen Innes, so uh, many of our listeners will be familiar with what they, they are and what they do and what they look like. Uh, in particular, I note that the, uh, the existing wind farm project currently operational in the area has what's called a community benefit fund, uh, where local community organisations uh, and the like can apply for funds for projects that will benefit the wider community. Uh, is that the sort of thing that, uh, that we can expect from Rangoon Wind Farm? also? Yes it is David so we, we absolutely uh, see the value and benefit in establishing a community uh, benefits fund um, and, and we would expect that that would be part of the um, overall uh, program that we've got in place for the Rangoon Wind Farm. Uh, we're you know, going through the development I guess and understanding of just how, how to shape that fund and who would be best to administer it um, obviously one answer is to uh, adopt a similar model to that which is already in place and have the council administer those funds. Um, so we're certainly just working through that process, but at the end of it, uh, there will be a community benefits fund in place. Okay, wonderful. And, uh, and uh, Angus, thank you so much for your time this morning. That's been a very informative discussion. If there were any other questions from our listeners, can we just reiterate again how they could find your contact details? Certainly, David, and, and I have enjoyed the discussion. Uh, best places for them to go to our website, uh, uh, meridianenergy.com.au. Um, all of the details of the project are on there. Rangoon Wind Farm contact details. There's a um, community uh, and stakeholder engagement uh, drop-down box and there's uh, a phone number, an email address and a postal address for anyone who would like any further information. Wonderful. Uh, Angus, again, thank you for your time. Pleasure, David. Thank you.